Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Everyone's so gifted and they've got so much to give. You just feel like, you know, like by this stage in the, in the service, what actually can I add? What else can I bring? Because we've already met with Jesus in the worship and we've already been encouraged to give and engage. And now we've just prayed for our nation. So that pretty much just sums it all up. But uh, in case any of you are still awake or still listening, uh, we've been enjoying a series focusing on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm speaking today about the Spirit of God at work in the world around us, about how the Holy Spirit is changing the world and how we can join in with what God is doing. And I think think that's something that we all want, right? I think you and I, if we're here this morning, we want to see change. I don't think we like change when it happens to us. Most of us don't like to get surprised by change, but I think most of us want change. I don't think you'd come out on a foggy November morning if you weren't interested in change. Change on on the inside in you, change in your community, your workplace, your family, change all around you. We're desperate for more of God in our lives. Most of the time we're desperate for that and the lives of those around us. But we don't always know what that looks like. And sometimes we don't know how to engage with that. And that can be confusing and that can be uh, disappointing, disorientating. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Because I'm near the end of this series, I thought I'd do a little bit of catch-up, bring us all up to speed and make sure we're on the same page. Um, But please listen to those who've spoken before me. We have a fantastic podcast resource. If you're ever lacking something to listen to on the way to work or in the bath, uh, grab yourself a podcast and um, do listen to the ones that came before me in this series. They spent a lot more time on some of these things than I will, so you you can catch up with them. Where we started was to remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit is more of a person than a power source. We've reminded ourselves that although the Holy Spirit is described as fire and as breath and as wind, Jesus also describes the Holy Spirit's role very tangibly as a lawyer, an advocate is one of the words that he uses, and as a teacher. The Holy Spirit is often referred to as a teacher in the New Testament, also as a comforter and as a counselor. We talk about this idea of the Trinity because we believe in a triune God, one God in three forms, but indistinguishable in character. God the Father is not more angry. Jesus is not more loving. The Holy Spirit is not more powerful. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. They are one and the same. Therefore, we know that the Holy Spirit has always been present. Firstly, in Genesis, we read that he is the creating and sustaining presence of God, hovering over the waters before God's creative work is unleashed. Secondly, we see throughout the Old Testament the Holy Spirit resting on particular people at particular times for a particular purpose. Often he is empowering them in acts of creation. He is empowering them to lead and he's empowering them to speak. And thirdly, we see the promise of the Holy Spirit given to us, transforming a future people. We read um, in Ezekiel 37, it speaks to us of God being at work in our hearts, removing a heart of stone and restoring in us a heart of flesh. 
this promise that God will transform a future people from the inside out. And in Joel, we read those wonderful world-changing words which speak of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is abundant and indiscriminate. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That passage told of a future time when the kingdom of God would break in and God would be present in a completely new way. First, in the body of Jesus, God would be present in the flesh on earth. You could literally go to a place where God was and see him at work and listen to what he had to say. And then by his spirit, God would be present in our bodies. Jesus would leave and say to his disciples, it is better that I go. I've always found those verses so extraordinary because what would be better for Jesus to go? Loss is always painful. It's always hard. And even the loss of Jesus, he said, was a better thing because the Spirit of God was to come and to dwell in each one of us. Let's have a look at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. I hope you all have Bibles. You need to be turning to them right now because I could be making this up as I go along. If you don't have a Bible, you will find some at the back. We give Bibles away for free. Please, if you don't have one, take one. Acts 1, verses 1 to 8. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, this is Luke introducing the book of Acts. It's his sequel, his part two. He's already written the gospel of Luke, which talked about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And now he's about to talk about the life of the early church. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus loved to eat with people, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift, wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They spent three years with him and they still didn't understand what he'd come for, why he had come and what he had for them. But he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, Jesus' followers, the men and the women, waited together in Jerusalem, just as he'd said. And they were praying daily. You can only imagine there was this mixture of terror because Jesus had been killed, and there was a great risk that they also could be killed for what they now believed. And yet he'd come back from the dead, and, and, and there could be no doubt that this was the same Jesus. And yet he hadn't overturned the Romans. He hadn't brought in this visible, very physical uh, reign of the kingdom of God. But they knew there was more to come. They knew there was something special going on. And so they're waiting, and they're praying, and they're waiting, and they're praying expectant that the power of the Holy Spirit would come and they would be his witnesses. And the Holy Spirit did come. 
and they were his witnesses. If you read the book of Acts, and I'd encourage you to do that, you can read a chapter a day or more, and you'll see this clash of kingdoms. You'll see that the early church is socially and ethnically changing the world wherever it goes. That by the power of God, they're treating one another radically differently than what was expected of them at that time. And there was acts of supernatural gifting. They heal the sick, they raise the dead, and they cast out demons. I mean, they're up to all sorts. There's one time when Paul's speaking, and he goes on for so long that someone falls out the window dead. So he nips outside, prays for them, raises them to the dead, and carries on speaking. The power of God was present with them. What they did changed the world forever. I mean, that's extraordinary, what they did. You read through the book of Acts and you see, just as Jesus said, it starts in Jerusalem and then it moves out into Judea and Samaria and then it moves out into the whole known world, even until the gospel comes to Britain. Because of these men and women, because of the presence of God at work in their lives. You fast forward 2,000 years and the same spirit of God is here with us today. Creating, empowering and transforming us into the people that we were made to be, to be witnesses of the God that we've encountered. So we are to love God and to love our neighbors. We are to preach the gospel and make disciples. We are to feed the poor and heal the sick. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and participate in the renewal of all things, all in the midst of our everyday, very ordinary lives through every season, through all the ups and downs, faithfully pursuing the presence of God. Because where his presence is, is his power. Now, God can do all of this stuff without us, you know. He doesn't actually need us, I don't think. We hear of people who've heard nothing of God from any other person, but they experience God through a dream or perhaps a miraculous encounter. And of course, God can act however he pleases. But mostly, it's his practice throughout the whole of history to work in the flesh of another person, like he did with Jesus. So he does the same with us and our stuff, the stuff that we bring. Our hands, our words, our art, our businesses, our families, our relationships, our brains, and sometimes even our churches. The thing is, when we start to think like history makers, that we've got to change the world, I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. It's better to think of packed lunches. Like the little boy who shared his bread and his fish to help feed the 5,000. We can all do that, right? What we must see is that this is God's world, all of it. That he will do as he pleases in keeping with his character and his immense power. But mostly he acts in small ways Jesus tells us the kingdom is like yeast in the dough. It's like mustard seed. I think that's just so that we can keep up. But he is at work all around us. And there are two ways, I think, particularly, that God has given us to help us participate in his world-changing work. Very simply and rather obviously, but I think they are the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. If you'd like to turn to Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of God, becoming reality in our lives. And it's a good sign of the presence of God in us and in our midst. 
These characteristics are evidence of the creative, empowering, transforming work of God. If you want to know where the Holy Spirit is at work in the world, look for people and places where love, joy, and peace abound, where patience, kindness, and goodness are practiced, where faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are demonstrated. And if you don't know what that looks like, it's not some fluffy, nice thing. It looks like places where men and women are equally honored. It looks like service and sacrifice taking precedence over significance. It looks like places where racism is unacceptable and racial equality is the benchmark for justice. It looks like places where the wealthy give their stuff away to the poor, where children and babies and the elderly are preferred and protected, where the lonely are seen and heard. And at the very least, it looks like places where people are safe to be vulnerable because it's better to be weak and foolish than strong and stupid. How our world needs these things. Don't we want to see a world like that? That doesn't sound like something airy-fairy to me or just what nice people do. That sounds like the sort of kingdom, the kind of community that would clash with the culture of our world. Online and offline. That's going to clash. That's going to get on some people's nerves. We need the power of God to behave like that. The power of God is not just in the gifts. The power of God is in the, the fruit of the Spirit. As uh, Steve was saying earlier, just we see so much division in our country right now. You know, we see so much polarization. It's so easy for us to leap to either end of the spectrum on an issue. We find it so difficult to discuss things uh, with grace, with patience, with love, with kindness. We find it so difficult to hear somebody else's view without jumping to the conclusion that they're evil just because they don't agree with us. We need God's kingdom to come. And this is what it looks like in practice. The fruit of the Spirit are not an optional extra. We don't get to choose peace for ourselves and not be patient with anyone else. The fruit of the Spirit demonstrate the power of God in our lives. They describe a radical shift in what drives us and what spills out of us under pressure as we become people who are transformed by the Spirit of God dwelling within us. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And I would really encourage you, pursue these things. We don't get to choose. When the presence of God is at work in us, this is the way that we look. This is the way that we behave with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and with gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. And secondly, God has made available to us these extraordinary supernatural gifts. Pete talked about this last week. If, if you didn't hear that, I hope you can listen to that podcast. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, he talked, obviously, he went through the different gifts, just describing them, talking about them, what they might look like in practice. And then he demonstrated um, just the presence of God here in a really loving, powerful way. We need the gifts of the Spirit. We daily encounter people and situations who are in need of a supernatural encounter with God. And so the character of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit need to go hand in hand in our lives. It was the depth of Jesus' compassion that most often moved him to pray for someone. And they were healed. Where we live in London, we know it can be one of the loneliest places on earth sometimes. 
there's homeless people everywhere. I don't know about you, but uh, whether it's the time of year or what it is, but I have just been angry at times, brokenhearted at times with the number of uh, homeless people that I see on the streets at the moment. And um, it seems to me that I, I will try and uh, 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 find out what someone would like to eat or get them a warm drink. But no sooner have I done that than there's somebody else. I mean, the other day, 50 meters along from the last person I spoke to. Homelessness in our cities is, at, it feels like it's an epidemic at the moment. People are sick mentally and physically. I, I don't know if it's on the increase. I, I understand when you look at the kind of statistics around social media in particular, that it breeds anxiety. It breeds comparison in us. It can breed a sense of panic in us. And it contributes to our mental health and well-being. Many people in our midst need miraculous provision in the form of money, jobs, and food every day. We can't meet those needs from our own resources. I certainly can't meet them from mine, from my character, from any sense of gifting in me. But God is at work in me, and we can learn how to respond from a place of partnership with him because his spirit dwells in us, and he goes with us everywhere that we go. And there's this strange dynamic, I was thinking about this when I was preparing this this morning, around this sense of that God is at work, God's kingdom is everywhere in every way. God is at work, he's gone ahead of us. He, he has a heart for, and he is at work towards that homeless person in the street in front of us. And yet at the same time, he's at work in me, and he kind of hasn't done anything yet. And I don't know where his work starts and ends sometimes, and my bit starts and ends sometimes. But I think we just have to get on with it. God is at work. God's heart is, is far more towards the people that I meet than mine could ever be. But Lord, break my heart with the things that break yours. Help me to see the people that you see. I mean, sometimes even, you know, I've got an empty wallet and I'm on a rush to somewhere. And I don't think there's anything remotely godly about it. But sometimes just to make eye contact with someone who's on the street, that you see them, that they are seen. And if you get the chance, those five words that can change a person's life. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Is there anything I can pray for? Would you mind if I prayed for you? We can change someone's life. God is at work in that person. I believe that. He has a, he has a, a story for them, a future for them that hasn't been written yet. The people that we encounter on the streets, the people in our offices, God has a preferred future for them. And maybe it's on you or me. Maybe it's on us to call that out of them. Ask God to show you what he sees. Because this is our job description, right? Take a look at Isaiah 61. This is a key text for our church. There's a clue in the title, Vineyard 61. Those who didn't know that. There's no Vineyard 60. My girls asked that. Where's Vineyard 60? Oh, is it there? <laughs> the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you. The Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. The Lord has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted. The Lord has sent you to proclaim freedom for the captives. The Lord has sent you to release from darkness the prisoners because it is the year of the Lord's favor. I'll let you into a secret. Every year is the year of the Lord's favor. <laughs> Since the kingdom came, 
this. This is the year of the Lord's favor. People don't know that. What does that mean, the year of the Lord's favor? It means the kingdom has come. If the kingdom has come, then the king is here. And if the king is here, then we have something to offer people that they cannot find anywhere else in any other shape or form. And if you're walking around with a pulse and the spirit of God is in you, then the kingdom has come in you. And God has something to do in you and through you. We started this series with this passage, and it's a powerful shift in identity for most of us. If you read that passage and you put yourself in the middle of it, it speaks of our role in this world-changing activity of God. I don't know about you, but depending on my day, this is describes either the, the most exciting life that I can imagine or a terrible burden. But, you know, God is not looking for people who have all their stuff together. God is not looking for the beautiful or the bold or the bright. God is looking for the broken. And I'm happy to put my hands up to say, I am broken, God. Use me. God is looking for the broken. He's looking for those of us who are beaten up. We sang earlier, I'm desperate for you, that I can't live without you. It's not an emotional statement. Sometimes we might feel like that. Sometimes we might feel on top of the world. But we are desperate, and let us be desperate for the Spirit of God. Because this is for us, we go out into the world and we share with those who are poor, spiritually and materially, the good news of a God who loves them. We become disciples, people who are figuring out how to reorientate our lives around God, and we make disciples by helping others to do the same. And we heal the sick, comforting those who mourn, as well as praying for the power of God to break through and bring healing, even in front of the courgettes. And we act justly. Act justly, people. Think about the consequences of you needing an avocado to the people on the other side of the planet who had to grow it for you. Just saying. This will take shape in us and around us in a thousand different ways depending on our circumstances and our story. I love this. Think of yourself as a unique musical instrument. Even you get something like a, a violin, and the sound that comes out of every violin is different, depending on the musician who's playing it. You are an instrument of God. Whatever your story, whatever your history, whatever your giftings, whatever your limitations right now, when you let the God do his work, play himself through you, it sounds different. It sounds different, but we need to hear it. Wherever you are, wherever you work, wherever you live, whatever your relationships, we just need to make more room for God in our lives. I think all of us know that. Whether it's an inch or a mile, I think all of us would put our hands up this morning and say, I need to make more room for God in my life. Because if we're going to participate in this world-changing work of the Holy Spirit, it does start with us. And we know we do that in two ways, in big ways and in small ways. For some of us, this involves this reorientation of our entire lives. The word is repentance in the New Testament. For some of us, we're walking in one direction and we literally need to turn around and walk in another direction. We reorientate our entire lives. We make big steps. We make big changes through discipleship and through acts of service. We start to shift our priorities and our attachments so that we're less distracted by social media, less dependent on alcohol. 
less concerned about that promotion and more concerned with the people around us. Not necessarily that those things are wrong, but we do need to let go of the many things that we're clinging to if we're going to make room for God. After all, it's hard to receive anything when your fists are clenched tightly around something else. We need to let go. We need to surrender. It's something we do, you can do as a one-off. It's something we do every day. But if we're going to make more room for God, if we're going to experience more of his spirit for ourselves, if we're going to participate with what God is doing in the world, we need to make more room for God in our lives. And for some of that, us, that means a big change. For others of us, or as well as, that's a, that's a small thing, very small things that we can do by just keeping on inviting God in. When we meet together, asking for the Holy Spirit to come. In our workplace, whether it's under our breath, God, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come in my workplace today, like it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come in my marriage, like it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come in my health, like it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Make room for him. Pay attention to him. Watch and see what it is that he's doing. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. There's a philosopher, Karl Barth, who said um, uh, to clasp the hands in prayer is to, oh, I can't remember what it is, is to begin in an uprising against the spirit of this world. Something like that. That's probably not exactly right, but it's something along those lines. I should have written it down, shouldn't I? Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, we shouldn't underestimate the power of prayer. I mean, seriously, that, you know, everything, this whole world-changing thing, the whole presence of God thing, it can be very theoretical, but it all starts and ends with prayer. Don't underestimate the power of prayer in your lives. For some of you, you're going to have to pray for something for 20 years before it happens. I'm sorry about that, but that's just the way it is. For some of us, on other things, at other times, we're going to pray, let your kingdom come, and God's going to show up so much in our face, we won't know what to do with it. But we pray. We just pray. It's in prayer that we learn to get God better. We get to see what it is that he's doing. We get to engage with what it is. So it's in both the big things and the small things of our lives that we make room for God. And as we get to know him better, we become more like him. Jesus was the most loving person that ever lived and the most supernaturally responsive. Don't you want to be like that too? But even he said that he only did what he saw the Father doing. So if we're going to join in with the world-changing work of the Holy Spirit, we need to learn to recognize and respond to what God is doing. And we can learn that here. I am so thankful that this church is part of the vineyard and it's part of a learning community. I don't know what your experience or expectation of church is, but we come here to learn, not just intellectually, but by practice. This is a place, like, a, like St. George's, is a teaching hospital, but hopefully with more room for error. This is a place where we can learn and we can grow, where we can watch what God is doing and we can practice, where we can be vulnerable, I hope, and where we can take risks. We don't, I hope that you don't just come with your Sunday face on a Sunday morning. I hope that you know that increasingly you can come and you can learn how to be yourself here. And most of us spend our week with a shield up and a mask on we learned it's like the tube is like you know every morning mask on shield up away you go we come to church to unlearn that we come down to we come to church to let down our defenses and to engage with our god and the people around us so i encourage you to take every necessary step in the direction of the person that you want to become change will not happen any other way in us or around us
We're talking about a lifelong, intentional pursuit of God. This is what we need to become like him. We have the creative, empowering, transforming presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And so anything is possible. Kenny, when you're ready, you bring up the band. So we do our part and God does his part. Like I said, I don't think we always know where it begins and ends. That's part of the mystery. It's part of the fun. We don't always know what God's going to do, but we can be expectant that he is here, that he is always with us, that he is at work in us, and he will do something. God is always doing something. The kingdom of God has come and his king is here. The spirit of God is at work in us. And we're just invited to receive all that he has for us and to participate in all that he's doing so that we might show and tell everyone about his world-changing goodness. Should we stand? The band is going to lead us in worship right now. Um, And just as they do that, I'm aware that I've just spoken at you a whole bunch of stuff. And... uh, I'd encourage you to stop listening, if you see what I mean. Stop listening, engaging out here and uh, out there, and and, uh, engage in here. What has the Lord been speaking to you about this morning? What has he been speaking to you about this week? Where has he been nudging you? Who has he been drawing to your attention? What is the state of your heart right now? Are you in a hurry? Do you need to rest? God can do a hundred different things with us, something different with every person in this room but he wants to do something. And his presence is here this morning. As we worship, engage with him. Hear what he has to say to you. And if you've never heard from the Lord before, uh, you can hear from him for the first time this morning. It sounds more often like a whisper than a shout. It feels more like a, a, a gentle tap on the shoulder than a dig in the ribs. So come, Lord. Thank you for your presence here, but come, increase your presence. Pour out your spirit on us. Engage our hearts, engage our minds, engage our bodies. Come, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.